So today's episode is all about getting visible. And we're not just talking about podcast guesting or getting featured on Forbes or writing blog posts or getting on YouTube. We're actually talking about all of it and in what order you can do that. And I have a very special PR guest expert who's going to walk us through the ladder of visibility. Y'all, this is so applicable to each and every single one of you. So please tune in and let's jump on in. Welcome to the Serve Scale Soar podcast, the podcast dedicated to helping service-based entrepreneurs scale their online business to five-figure months so they can soar into six-figure years. Your host, Brandy, is a wife, mom, and in less than one year, created a six-figure business. And now she is spilling all her secrets so you can too. Hey, 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 Surf Scale Soar family. Oh my goodness. I am so excited to talk all about visibility today with my special guest, Lisa. And this is Lisa and I's first time getting to know each other. And I'm so excited because this is a topic I'm super passionate about. And I think that y'all will benefit from. This is something, especially as we go into organic social media changing and things like that. I definitely think this is something y'all can tap into. So Lisa, we're so excited to have you. Please tell me about who you are as a person and about your business. So I am somebody who lives for food. Fun fact about me at my wedding almost a year ago, my husband had shrimp served at the altar while he was saying his vows. So I live for food. I want to eat my way through the world. I love, love animals. Often there's a joke that I may or may not love my cats more than my husband. He's totally awesome too, though. And aside from that, what I love to do is support people with getting visibility. I think we hear so much about social media, so much about paid media and ads, but a lot of people don't take advantage of earned media, which is leveraging other platforms. So I love to make sure that people's genius gets found and support them with visibility. And that could be getting on podcasts, television, or anything else that will get them in front of the right people. I love that you call it earned media. I've always called it borrowed media because we're borrowing someone else's traffic and tapping into that. But I love this earned media and I can't wait to tap into this. But before we do, you said you want to eat your way through the world and I'm a total foodie as well. My husband was a chef before I brought him home. So tell me, what is your favorite city to eat in? You know what? I haven't been there yet, but I'm very confident it's going to be Italy. My husband is super like smart into history. We went to Egypt together and I was like, oh, another Sandy Triangle. When is lunch? Yeah, we got to go somewhere where there's some culture for him and things for me to eat. I love that. We had a whole Italian vacation plan, my husband and I, and it was supposed to be May of 2020. So, of course, March 2020, that got canceled. But everyone was like, are y'all going to the museums? Like, you have to make sure you go to this. And I was like, no, we're like doing a food and wine tour. We're doing all these foodie things. I'm not there for the museums. But I love it. Sorry, I was going to say, you have recommendations at the end of the show. I want to get a list from you because we are planning out like, okay, what kind of delicious food adventures can we go on? Oh, I love that. For anyone who wants to know mine, my favorite food destination is so funny because you're like, wait, really? Sedona, Arizona. And I've ate all over this country. And Sedona, Arizona has some of the best restaurants and food I've ever experienced in my entire life. What was the top meal you had there? At a restaurant called Mariposa. Like anything from that restaurant 
is just so incredibly prepared and beautiful and fresh. And it's one of the hardest restaurants to get into. And it's so delicious. Okay. Put it on the list for next time they go there. You can be in Arizona almost every October, but it's been a few years now. Fingers crossed I get to go there again. Perfect. Okay. So let's jump in to earned media, as you call it. And what does that actually mean to you? Can you tell us like, because I know everyone says like earned media or earned visibility. I call it borrowed. And these can mean all different things. So I know you said like podcast guesting, but what are some of the other ways people can tap into this? So let's make the distinction with earned or borrowed media from the other two. And then we can talk about what some examples are. So we're all familiar with social media. Thank goodness we can claim our own profiles on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn. We can control the content that we're putting out. We can say it the way that we want to. We can connect with our ideal client behind the scenes on the DMs. And that did not exist 10 years ago. So it's super, super powerful that we have the ability to do that. But again, everybody is on social media. It's very noisy and it doesn't necessarily elevate you. It just says that I have a platform along with something anybody else could access. Then we have paid media, Facebook ads, Google ads, back in the day, buying a billboard or commercial on TV. And this is, again, another opportunity to control the message. And thank goodness that we have the technology now with Facebook ads to say, I'm looking for a female between X and Y ages who lives in this state and has these interests. And we can really dial in and narrow down the kind of person that we want to get in front of and make sure we're spending our ad dollars wisely. But again, with paid media, anybody can do it. It doesn't make you special. And even when you think about it from your own user perspective, you know how to scroll right past the ads on Facebook and you know how to flip right past them in a magazine. And we need to remember that our ideal client is doing the exact same thing. So it takes a lot more work to actually grab it and hook them. Now, the distinction with the third type of media is earned media, not just that anybody can do it. Anyone can do paid. Anyone can do social. It doesn't make you special. But with earned media, and the reason I like calling it earned media versus borrowed, for example, is because when you borrow someone else's platform to use their language and you get featured there, you have earned that person's no trust factor. And now because you're being highlighted on somebody else's borrowed platform, you are fast forwarding the process of building that no trust factor simply because you have been vetted. When somebody gets featured on Oprah's favorite things back when she did those episodes, or they get highlighted on Forbes.com, the reason that we see that differently is because we know that not just anybody gets access to those opportunities. So when you show up on those platforms, it's the difference between saying, hey, look at me, I'm awesome, versus somebody else saying, hey, look at her, she's awesome. And that translates very differently. So that's why I like to call that earned media, because you have to earn that no trust factor from the person who's giving you access to borrow their platform, convey it to the audience, and then fast forward that versus, let's say, on social media, hey, I'm really good at what I do, or an ad saying, hey, come to my workshop, versus someone saying, hey, that person's incredible. You should check them out. Okay. I love this distinction. And if anyone wants to know how we use this in our business. We have a whole podcast on the three types of traffic that you can tap into that Lisa just went over. So we'll make sure to link that up for you. So if you want to go deeper into which one's right for your business right now, check out that episode. And then I want to talk about this. I wasn't going to go here because it didn't even cross my mind and now I am. So here I go. So I do want to talk about this whole thing because I think that it's something that should be addressed and it's this little dirty secret that no one talks about. 
And that's with, you talked about like Forbes and stuff like that. When you get featured in those type of things, and we can even take this to podcasts, but I think it's less, it doesn't happen as much with podcasts as it does with these publications where a lot of times when we see people on Forbes success or even like the Yahoo stuff, a lot of this you can pay to be. Uh, <laughs> and so in there, we are going there. And we get emails after emails and DMs and all this about like, here, pay. And I know people who have been featured in Forbes and success that are, we would all know, and they have paid to be on these covers or bylines and stuff like that. And so what are your thoughts on this? Uh, it's so gross. So here's the thing that you're probably, you probably had this happen to your Instagram inbox. And I'm going to save you four or $500 or whatever they sell you on. So with NPR in communications, the world that I'm a part of, you can write something called a press release. But here's the example I love to give. We talked about my cast earlier and how I may or may not love them more than my husband. Equally as much, I swear to God. Another episode, another day. I could write a press release saying Peaches and Ginger are the best cats in the world. And I am very confident that is true. So if I could write this glowing press release about how Peaches and Ginger are the best, and I can pay to have it submitted on something called a newswire, which then broadcasted across to Yahoo.com and Forbes.com, and they are verbatim going to reprint this thing that I paid for them to write. It's not factual. It's something that I wrote and shared. And not only is it not like editorially validated, it's also hidden on the back end. It's not like this is showing up on Forbes.com. This is on some deep page where they put up press releases that have been copy and paste put up there. So I could send in a press release that says Peaches and Ginger are the best, but that isn't necessarily factually true, which again, I completely stand by, but I guess compared to other people, they may not agree with that. So the difference is where if I were to put Peaches and Ginger in front of an editor, they wouldn't write an article about cats on board. Let's be real clear about that one. But if they were to, that way you're having third-party credibility enhancement versus paying for something that you wrote to just be hidden on a back-end page. So when I see those, hey, we can get you featured on Forbes.com as one of the 30 best coaches, I cringe so much because it's not necessarily true. You just paid to play. And so that brings me to this question is, if more and more people start to find out that, okay, this happens, and then you can put the Forbes logo on your website or whatever, how much weight do these logos on websites actually hold anymore that's featured on if anyone can get these spots. So here's the truth. There is a shift that somebody has when they log onto your website and they're thinking about investing in you and they see those coveted as featured on logos. All of a sudden that says they're not just any other coach, they're the coach who has been highlighted. So it gives people this better sense of confidence and trust that you are a an authority, you are an expert. And it's it's interesting to see the people who do that. So it's that, hey, I got featured in Forbes as one of the top 30 coaches. And everyone, congratulations, that's so awesome and all this positivity. But no one's actually asked to see the article. So it's interesting to know how influential just having those logos on your site can be. So I, for one, are absolutely all about get real editorial coverage where you're building a relationship with an editor, where there is an article about your methodology that's really positioning you. Don't just do the superficial thing of slapping lipstick on a pig and then saying, hey, I'm an awesome coach. No, that's dishonest. Okay, I love this. So then my next question is, how can someone who's a one-on-one -on -one service provider, they usually only have a few hundred followers on Instagram or whatever, how are they going to get featured in these publications where they can 
like with integrity, put these things on their website? Yeah. So what I recommend is I'm, I'm very specific in when I'm doing outreach for my clients and for myself. I remember when I worked in a PR agency and I would get an Excel sheet full of like hundreds and hundreds of contacts and blast them with the same press release over and over again, which we don't do anymore, as we know, based on the conversation in the last few minutes. So now what I recommend for somebody who's, you know, this isn't what they're doing as a day job. They want a very specific result and very specific place to get featured. What I recommend is thinking to number one, what is the purpose of your visibility? Is it to get in front of your ideal client or is it to build your credibility? So a way I can even give an example of that is let's say you're somebody who works in fitness and you own a studio and you want to attract women who are going to the gym for the first time to come find a client with you. A lot of the time people in that situation will say to me, Lisa, I want to be featured in Oxygen, in Muscle and Fitness, in Strong Magazine, all the bodybuilding magazines. And I have to make the distinction for them that somebody who's going to the gym for the first time is not reading a bodybuilding magazine. So we got to get clear on what's the purpose of being seen. For a lot of people, and especially your listeners, I'm guessing they want to get in front of that ideal client who has the power to hire them. So where are they paying attention? Figure out what websites they're logging on to, maybe what podcasts they're listening to, and then very specifically look to see how you can get featured on that platform. So let's say it's Forbes.com. Would you be in the small business section or the women section? Who is somebody whose name is showing up over and over again as a writer for that page? And how can you get their email address and pitch a story idea to them? That's how I like to drill it down. Where's the right place to get seen? What's the section you want to be in? And then who's the person whose name is showing up over and over again, creating content for it? And how can you find their email address and send them a story idea? So that's especially if you're looking to end up on some sort of website where you are going to get that as seen on Forbes, Inc., Yahoo, Success, et cetera, type logo. Okay, so I love this because we talk about the same thing when you're marketing for clients, and that's what this is, especially if that's your goal. But I love that the first thing you said is you have to identify what your goal is. Is it to get more like, credibility on your website and stuff, or is it to get in front of your right people? And I love that you made that distinction. And when we go into this, I truly, and we've done a lot of this, not so much publications, more podcast guesting, is that my goal is always to attract our right people. And I always believe that the credibility will flow from that. We've never went out just to get credibility. It's always about who can we serve more of And I think that when you do that, you'll actually find that you're going to have more success than just grabbing a whole bunch of logos to put on your website. And I think it also comes down to different stages in the game. Like when you're first getting started, you want to get in front of those clients who have the power to hire you. And as you're growing through your business, there are the people whose courses you've bought, whose conferences you've attended. And as you're building your own credibility, you start wanting to be on the same stages as them, at the same events as them, in the same green rooms as them. So that and there's another shift where it's, okay, right now I really want to focus on elevating my name and becoming the next go-to expert in my industry. Absolutely. And so I love this. And so we've talked a lot about publications like Forbes and all that kind of stuff. Let's shift gears to talk about guesting on podcasts because this is another way for earned platform. And we have a whole episode on this. And this is actually how I was able to really get in front of a lot of new people when I was just getting started to grow our podcast and our membership. And so tell me, is this something that you encourage people to do or what success have you seen from guesting on podcast for your clients? So this is going to be a little bit of fun. 
So Laura is one of my favorite clients that I have worked with. She and I worked together in 2019, and she is a preconception and health coach. So she works with women who want to get pregnant. Now, Nora has her 4R methodology. She has a holistic nutrition. She teaches women to remove unhealthy foods, replace them with um, better foods for the lack of, I'm not nutritionist, we're trying here, Nora, I'm sorry. Remove the bad foods, replace them with good foods, so to say. Rebalance your hormones. And there's one other R in there, which I can't remember, but in any event, let's go with their 4Rs to be able to eat to get pregnant. What Nora did was find all the different fertility podcasts in her industry, which was somewhere around the 20 or 30 mark. And she pitched all of them her idea on the four R's of how to eat to get pregnant. And she got on maybe about 20, 25 of those shows, which is fantastic. And she talked about the same thing over and over again, which, you know what, for Nora, it probably got a little bit boring after episode five. With every host of conversation goes a little bit differently. Now, here's what this did from a marketing perspective. Nora was able to leverage her time, come up with one pitch and use it over and over again. She didn't come up with 20 different ideas for the 20 different shows. She showed up in the same podcast type industry over and over again, fertility shows. So the woman who was looking to get pregnant, who's been listening to a number of these shows, is hearing Nora's name over and over again getting familiar with her 4R methodology. And what Nora literally saw in her calendar is she started, I can't even remember how many clients she was getting per month at this stage. But when she had sales calls now booked onto her calendar, these women were coming, repeating that 4R methodology to her. These were people who are more serious. They weren't just the dabblers. So it was fantastic for her to be able to reach a very specific target audience to leverage her time in a really smart way and connect with people who truly wanted the solution that she had to offer. And going beyond Norgon and something along 24 podcasts, so that helped to grow her list. People downloaded her lead magnet to reach more people. But think about the 20 hosts that she connected with, other influencers in that industry. She's gone on to do various summits with them, different speaking engagements with them. See if you can become friends with one of them. They went to a farmer's market together. So not only was she able to build awareness, but she also built relationship capital that's going to help her keep growing her network, getting her in front of the right people and being able to ultimately serve more clients. I love that. And I also, this is like one of those success stories. This is how great it can go. And we have very similar, but I also want to talk about the flip side of this. And I think that's where a lot of people give up because if you make a list of 20 podcasts, it doesn't mean you're going to get on all 20 podcasts. And it doesn't mean that they're going to come out on your timeline. So let's talk more about the almost the struggles of this that you have to break through in order to get to the other side. Example is like with you. I think you pitched us a while ago and we get, I think we get like 20, 30, 40 pitches a month and we only have 12 guest spots for the entire Mm -hmm. year. And so when it comes down to it, like when people pitch us, they may not hear back from Steph to actually be on the show for mm-hmm. six months, 12 months. And some people then just give up and they're like, I'm not hearing back. So can you talk about the process of your follow-up and just what do you see happening a lot of times with podcasters and guesting? Uh, so I'm happy to open up the back doors and share with you and your listeners how I do this in my business. And yeah, when you're often about 100 when it comes to pitching podcasts. I would say I probably book one in four or five of the shows that I reach out to. So here is Lisa's podcast pitching strategy for the first half of 2020. 
a big part of marketing for my business is getting guests interviewed on other people's podcasts. Hey, Brandy, thank you so much for having me here today. So one of part of my consistent practice is to pitch 10 different podcasts every single week. And for those who are like, oh my gosh, that must take so much time. It literally takes me less than 30 minutes a week. I usually do it while watching the Kardashians. I have a general pitch that I tend to send out there. I obviously shift it based on the show that I'm reaching out to. There are a few little tweaks that I make, but I reach out to 10 shows a week. So let's do the math on this. This means that I'm pitching somewhere around 40 shows every single month. And typically I'm going to end up booking between 10 and 15 interviews a month. So it's more like one in four shows I reach out to I get on to. So if I'm getting on 10 podcasts every single month over the course of six months, that means I'm getting on over 60 podcasts. I'm getting in front of 60 new audiences. And I'm also building relationships with 60 hosts. And not necessarily do all of them become my new best friends, but a handful of them, let's say even 15 to 20 of them, they become my new joint venture partners, my affiliate partners. They're willing to mail for me. I connect them with other hosts. So it's a great way for me to not only build that know and trust factor quicker, to be able to reach more audiences, but to also build those relationships on the back end. I think Facebook ads are a really smart strategic part of business, but we want to make sure we're doing things in the right way. And knowing that it's cost me roughly around $7 to get a lead from Facebook ads, imagine when I'm bringing, even to be conservative, let's say it's 50 leads from every podcast. That's 300 leads in six months that I didn't pay for. You were like really good with the math. Correct me. I was probably wrong there. This is why I'm a publicist. If I get 50 leads per podcast, I'm on 10 shows every month. That could be 500 leads a month. And then over the course of six months, that's roughly around 3,000 leads. When I'm paying $7 per lead on Facebook, that's over $20,000 in ads, not including the agency fee that I'm paying on top of that. So there we go. We were able to actually drill it down to the numbers as to why I love to leverage being guests on other people's podcasts to reach the right clients. Absolutely. And that's the thing. As long as you're on the podcasts that do have your clients, you're reaching the right audience. Now, one thing that I see a lot is people go out and just pitch every single podcast. Like we get some of the most ridiculous pitches and I'm like, why would you ever think that my audience would connect with this? (laughs) And I think that's the thing is you don't want to be on just every single podcast that you can pitch, but it's more about making sure that your audience is like listening to that podcast. And one strategy that I really like to do to make sure I'm getting in front of the qualified leads and the right people is, now I'm a Windows PC user, I'm not an Apple user, so maybe something has shifted, but I like to use iTunes versus Apple Music. And when I'm searching for various podcasts, it would be a great fit. And I come across one that I'm like, you know what? I know this would be a fantastic show. I have a message that would really support the listeners. When you're going to the bottom of that list of episodes from that one specific show, there's something that says listeners also subscribe to, and they have a list of very similar podcasts below. So it's a great way to actually have Apple do the work for you and feed you similar podcasts to make sure that you are focusing on a similar audience and a similar demographic for all of those shows. Do your double checking as well. But if we can help, if we can use the resource that's going to make it a little bit easier for us, why not? Love that tip. So Lisa, we've talked about like media outlets like Forbes and things like that. We've talked about then podcast guesting. Is there any other sources that you see that could be really helpful for earned media for freelancers and like virtual assistants and done for you service providers? 
Yeah. And let's break this down for everyone to make it really easy to digest. This is what I like to call the ladder of visibility. And this is a way that you can grow your way of communicating with your audience as well as growing your confidence and getting out there in different ways. One thing that I always like to highlight for people is that people like to learn in different ways. They like to consume information in different ways. Maybe somebody prefers to read a blog post. Somebody else prefers to listen to a podcast or someone else is going to prefer to watch a video on YouTube. So knowing that your ideal client preferred to read, listen to, or watch their content, try and find a way to show up in each of one of those three ways. So at the very bottom of this ladder of publicity, as we're just starting to put ourselves out there, this is where written content comes into play. This could be you writing an article or a guest blog post for somebody else's site. This could be writing an article for a site like medium.com. This is where you're writing the content, but instead of putting it on your own website, you're putting it on someone else's website to be able to reach new audiences. Same work you would have done for your own blog, we're just using it to reach new people now. On the other side, you could actually get interviewed. So this is where something like Forbes.com, they may interview you and quote you in that publication, and it saves you the work of writing the article. So we have written content at the very bottom of that ladder of publicity. This is where you can type your answers, you can write your article, put it away for 24 hours, edit it later, send it to someone else to see what they think about it, and really hit send when you feel confident. So that's the bottom level. Let's move up to the next one. And this is where people get to hear you, audio content. So that could be something just like this, being on a podcast. Maybe if you're someone who works with people locally, that could be getting on radio. Not as sexy as it was a few days ago or a few years ago, sorry. But if you have a bricks and mortar business, it is a way to make sense to be able to get that foot traffic. Or we even saw, I think was maybe a year or two ago, Clubhouse became really popular. And there's still a lot of people there. So maybe you might want to host or moderate a really long Clubhouse. But somehow that people can hear your voice. That is finally, we move up to the third stage or the third level on the ladder of publicity. And this is when you actually let people see you. So we're building our confidence, getting clear in our messages, whether we're speaking or writing. And now we get seen. This could be all the way up to being on television or something as casual as doing a live in somebody else's Facebook group or going live on Instagram with them. It could be being highlighted on a summit. It could be speaking on a stage. But this is where you actually get to really fast forward that no trust process with your audience because they're seeing you getting a sense of your energy and how you communicate and really figuring, okay, do I drive with this person and do I want to connect with them further? So we can have people read about it. We can have them hear about it or they can see us. I love that breakdown and the latter approach of how they can go in and use this medium. And the fact that it's a ladder means we're not trying to tackle all these at once. You're taking it step by step, which is really important because I think sometimes We think that we have to do all the things instead of just focusing on one thing at a time. And I often highlight, I'm a publicist. I love to do this stuff all day. You are a business owner and this is one specific angle of your business. So why not do something like Nora did? Come up with a pitch or podcast that really walks through your methodology that you can use over and over again. Because now what you're doing is freeing up your brain space and you're just using a lather, rinse, repeat strategy to keep bringing in new people. A line that I learned from Lisa Sasevich, who's a speaking coach that I absolutely loved was don't change your talk, change your audience. So if you can have one core podcast pitch topic or one core speaking topic, and you can use it over and over again, but just put it in front of new people, that's the way you're constantly going to be filling your funnel and bringing in new leads. 
Lisa, this has been so amazing. And I know my audience is going to want to learn more. So where is the best place for them to connect with you? One question that I often get asked is, okay, so if you're doing like 10 plus podcasts a month, what does this pitch of yours look like? So I will open up and let you see it. You can download the podcast pitch template that I've been using for quite a few months over at www.theperfectpodcastpitch.com. And what you're going to see is the exact podcast pitch that I used to get onto a show called The Content Experiment with Abby Herman. I had never met Abby before. I've now been on her show twice. She and I did a joint venture webinar together where we sold a bundle of our courses. I've connected her with people in my network to be on Summit, and we enjoy having a great relationship. I think maybe two, three years since being on her show. So you can see the exact pitch that I use to create and cultivate that relationship. But also, I'm going to give you a fill-in-the-blank template to you so you can model after the way I structure my pitch and just drop in your content and information. And now you're going to have your own template that you can use as well. So again, you can download that for free over at www.theperfectpodcastpitch.com. Perfect. And we'll make sure to link that up in the show notes. And one thing, y'all, when you are sending out podcast pitches, even if you're using a template, please take the time to spell the host name, spell the podcast, and actually incorporate real information in there, not some fluff. Hey, I listened to your last episode. It was great. Because as someone who receives so many pitches, those are the first ones that Steph knows to throw out because they're not even getting to me. So that's really important that you take the time because podcasters get a lot of pitches and only the best ones are going to get through. I'm so glad that you made that distinction because in the template, you are going to see the part that you need to switch up where you can actually really create a connection with the host and make sure that they understand that you know who their audience is and that you're not just coming in to use them for their platform, but that you truly have the intention of delivering value to their listeners so that everybody who listens to an episode, whether they download your free lead magnet or not, regardless of if they follow you on Instagram, every single listener can leave that episode richer than they came. Thank you so much, Lisa. This has been such an incredible episode and we will make sure to link up to all those resources in the show notes. And everyone, go check out Lisa. She's been amazing and so full of knowledge. So thank you so much for being here. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much, Brandy. How freaking amazing was Lisa? I love the ladder of visibility and how we have to know our goals. Are we looking for relationships? Are we looking for credibility? Are we looking for getting in front of our ideal client? And once we decide that, we can find out what's the perfect way to start getting this earned medium. And my friend, it doesn't matter if you have 400 Instagram followers or 40,000, you can show up and get visibility. This is exactly how I started when I was working with Angie Trueblood. We'll link up that episode and how I was able to grow the podcast and our membership but land a ton of clients from the podcast host. So I would definitely listen to this episode over again, download Lisa's resource and let me know which earned media are you gonna start tapping into. And y'all, until next week, go out, serve your clients, scale your business and soar to the success you deserve. Thanks again for tuning in to the Serve, Scale, Soar podcast with your host, Brandy. If you loved our podcast, please be sure to leave a comment or review and be sure to tune in next time.